Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Monday, May 31st. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Keep in mind, the daily article goes up every day over at ATS.io with my thoughts on the card, picks, predictions, analysis, insight, lots of great information for you to check out. Definitely a different way of handicapping Major League Baseball, much like these editions here of the Betters Box you can check out that article every day over at ATS.io. Make sure you download the ATS app as well, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database, a lot of really helpful handicapping tools and resources for you to check out in that ATS app. And that's also where the tracking is done for the daily article. So you can follow me in there. Skating Tripods is my name. You can follow your friends. You can follow your enemies. You can follow whoever you want in that ATS app, but make sure that you download that today. And you've got full article integration from ATS.io in that app as well. So not only reading my content across Major League Baseball, golf, NASCAR, UFC, and all those types of things, but also taking a look at WNBA game previews, NBA game previews, NHL previews, all the content that we have over on the ATS website, you can also find in that ATS app. We'll kick off the month of June tomorrow with Brian Blessing on the show. We'll talk about the NHL playoffs, talk about golf, as we've got the Memorial Tournament this week down on the outskirts of Columbus in Dublin, Ohio. And we'll probably get some early Belmont Stakes thoughts in there for you as well as the Belmont coming up here on Saturday. As far as today's show, normal format here, beyond the box score, down the lines, give you a pick for tonight's action and a preview of the week ahead. We'll go a little bit shorter with today's show with the Memorial Day holiday. And of course, my thanks, gratitude, well wishes, and thoughts out to anybody that's lost a loved one or a friend while serving our nation, either at home or abroad uh, with the Memorial Day holiday here. Definitely want to send out those sentiments and of course, send out well wishes and best thoughts to anybody still serving in the military or those that have served. Thank you so much for your service here. So kind of that unofficial start of summer, people getting together finally to do cookouts and all of that. Now that COVID kind of winding down, people being vaccinated, so on and so forth. So, you know, uh, probably a lot of emotional reunions here this weekend with family and friends and all of that. But of course, uh, don't forget what Memorial Day is actually all about. So we'll take a look here beyond the box score. And as I said on Thursday, I'd be putting a bow on the month of May. We've got one day left, obviously. A lot of games here today. A lot of teams in action. A doubleheader between the Indians and the White Sox. But just to recap and run through here, what we saw in the month of April, where we had a 232 batting average across the league, 309 on base percentage, 389 slugging percentage, a 306 Woba, 873 home runs were hit, 24.4% strikeout rate, 8.9% walk rate in the month of April. So in April, we had some pretty low offensive numbers. They were kind of surprising at the outset, sort of looking at how the baseball was going to play differently here for this season. Thought that maybe there were some weather factors in play as well as to why the baseball wasn't carrying as much and all of that. When you look at the expected metrics, expected batting average of 248. So we were 16 points off. From the expectation in the month of April, the expected slugging percentage was 433, expected WOBA 327. So well below in both the slugging percentage and WOBA departments based on the expectations. 
And I think it's really important to note here, as I start taking a look at the month of May, that the expectations have been lowered. Things have been recalibrated throughout StatCast to you know, showcase the different offensive environment that we've had. Of course, the ball not really carrying as well as we know. So a lot of things have been recalibrated a little bit here for the month of May. But when we look at May as a whole, 239 batting average, up seven points. On-base percentage of 315, up six points. Slugging percentage up seven points as well from 389 to 396. A 312 Woba, a six-point increase in that department. So far in the month of May, we've had 25 more home runs with 898, but we've also seen more games played as there were more off days scheduled in April for weather and all those different types of things. Uh, We've also had a lot of seven-inning games uh, here in the month of May as well. A lot of games that wound up becoming parts of doubleheaders, especially here over the last couple of weeks' time. The strikeout percentage down half a percent from 24.4 to 23.9. Walk rate up 0.2% from 8.9 to 9.1. So the batting average, as I said, up seven points, on base up six, slugging up seven. Average exit velocity actually went down 0.2 miles per hour from April to May. Same amount of batted ball distance on balls in play at 162 feet. So we did see in the first half of May a lot more offense. We saw teams make those adjustments. We saw a lot more runs being scored. But as it turned out, those things leveled off quite a bit here in the back half of the month of May. So we had, I think we had about a 12-point increase or something like that in batting average for a while in the month of May. That has kind of regressed a little bit. Batting average still up, but in large part because the strikeout rate went down half a percent. So we didn't actually get you know too many more positive outcomes on batted balls. We just saw a lot more balls in play with the lower strikeout rate. So that's pretty much the only reason why batting average increased, at least in my estimation, from April to May. We had 8.5 runs per game scored in April. We've got one day left of baseball here today, but 8.8 runs per game in the month of May. And remember, when I talked about this in the first half of the month, I think maybe around the show I did uh, three weeks ago, something like that, we were well up over nine runs per game in the month of May. So we've definitely had some pretty significant changes here over the second half of this month where everybody's kind of made adjustments. We have seen a lot of hitters on the disabled list or the injured list uh, for this season. We have some teams that have been completely ravaged by injuries like the Mets. Uh, The Cubs are now kind of in that position. The Diamondbacks are missing half of their starting lineup. The Brewers were missing Christian Yelich for part of the month. So There were some injuries that did come into play here in the second half of the month of May that probably did lower offense a little bit, but everybody's just making adjustments. You know, we've seen some teams not hit as many fly balls as they typically do. We've seen some teams kind of maybe go opposite field or kind of try to center on the baseball a little bit more, hit it back up the middle. Everybody's kind of making some changes here, but there were a couple of developments in the month of May that really stood out. Things I've already talked about, but things I think are good to mention again here on today's show. One of the biggest ones is that favorites did really well in the month of May. Uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, where big favorites especially had done really well in the month of May. So that's a big part of it. You know, you've got 
the really good teams, the very talented teams, the very deep teams, generally those teams are also the most in line with the analytics and the metrics in Major League Baseball. So they probably made their adjustments a little bit quicker and a little bit faster than some of the bad teams that are out there that just don't really have the same level of talent to make their adjustments. So that was a big part of it in the month of May is that, you know, I think the really good teams just kind of realized pretty quickly what was going to happen with this season offensively. So they kind of made some of their changes and also to some of their better players that got off the slow starts, just kind of really got things going throughout the course of the month. The second thing is that, you know, we're starting to see some more roster movement now. Uh, You know, we've got the minor league season now that's about a month old. You can actually send your pitchers down for rehab starts in AAA and all of that. You got to get some guys in the minor leagues that get off to a good start offensively, then wind up getting the call. So we're seeing a lot of roster moves here. We're seeing roster manipulation in terms of, you know, ah, this pitcher's kind of banged up. We'll give him 10 days off. We'll skip a start for him. Teams trying to limit innings and all of that kind of thing. So we're seeing the injured list kind of become a vessel for making changes on the fly if you want to do that. And that will continue throughout the summer months here, to say the least. And it will have an impact on the offensive numbers and also the pitching numbers in small sample sizes. So that was not as much of a luxury afforded to teams in the month of April because they just didn't have guys that were actually playing to call up to the roster. Now you have that, now that the minor leagues are being played. So that's something that I would expect to see quite a bit as we go forward here also. And one last thing, as I said, and maybe it just sort of feels like recency bias, but a lot of double headers here of late. You know, the Blue Jays actually played five straight seven-inning games. The Indians will play five straight because they had uh, that game shortened on Friday to seven innings due to rain. So a lot of seven-inning games here uh, over the last couple of weeks with rainouts and rescheduled games from April and all these different types of things. So keep that in mind too, that, you know, we had 8.8 runs per game, but we were also missing some back innings, not to say that, you know, teams go crazy off of closers or anything like that, but just keep that in mind too, that numbers are a little bit bastardized, a little bit skewed, especially when comparing to previous seasons, because we have all these seven inning double headers and all of that. So Again, just a lot of things to keep in mind, a lot of moving parts here, but ultimately a few big takeaways that, you know, offense started really good in May and then regressed back towards where it was in April. Favorites got a lot better in the month of May, and we don't see any discernible changes to the baseball that would suggest that offense is going to improve all that much. Top five offenses in the month of May by Woba, weighted on base average. Toronto, number one at 351. They played a lot of home games in Dunedin, Florida at TD Ballpark. But now, beginning on Tuesday, they go back to Buffalo. They will play at Salem Field now for the foreseeable future. Uh, We'll see if they wind up being able to get back home to Toronto at any point in time. But the Blue Jays did really pad their numbers quite significantly at home in the month of May here with that 351 Woba. So that's something for you to think about. Houston second, 337. They were very good offensively this month. Again, as I've talked about as well, when the roof is open at Minute Maid Park, things do play a little bit differently. So that's something you take a look at there with the Astros. Boston at 336, a very good offensive month for them once again. And as I talked about last week on the show, they're pretty similar both at home and on the road, even though Fenway Park, is such a good park for offense. So 
know, they are a very good offensive team, regardless of where they play. And they had a very strong month of May as well. Chicago White Sox at 334. I think the White Sox kind of picked on some bad pitching early on in the month, but they do put a lot of balls in play. They've got a high walk rate. They hit a lot of ground balls. They're getting a lot of hits out of that. So the Chicago offense still very strong. And again, you know, an offense that to a degree, you know, I probably wouldn't have that high of, of a confidence level in, in previous seasons, but because of what we've seen here with the baseball, with fly balls, so on and so forth, uh, that's probably a more sustainable offensive profile than I would have considered it to be in previous seasons. Lastly, here to round out the top five, the Giants at 332. Giants scored 24 runs over the last three games of that series off of Dodgers pitching. One three out of four there on the road. Giants offense looking very strong here to finish out the month of May. And something else worth considering here too is that the Giants are a top five team in terms of hard hit percentage in terms of high-velocity contact and all of that. So this isn't really a fluke for them. They make a lot of quality contact. They've been able to have a lot of success as a result. The worst offenses here in the month of May, the bottom five, the Mariners with a 275 Woba. Seattle with a 237 batting average on balls in play. They hit a lot of fly balls. That's not a good thing this season. And offensively at T-Mobile Park, they're just not good at all. So that's one there with the Mariners where – I don't think that improves a whole lot. They are very, very fortunate to be a 500 team right now. Did like them in several of their games there against the Rangers over the weekend. Uh, But this is a team that I would expect to see another drop off from them here as we go forward. The Pirates, 279, just a bad offense overall. Some injury issues for them, taking away some of their better offensive personnel. But they're just a bad offense. PNC Park, not a great park for offense to begin with. The Pirates will be one of the bottom teams here every month throughout the course of the season. The Brewers, again, this one just, you know, they've got some talent there. They kind of adopt that platoon-based philosophy, and that's something I'll talk about here in a minute. But they were 28th in weighted on base average at 286. They were missing Christian Yelich earlier on in the month. Keston Hero wound up getting sent down before getting recalled. But for whatever reason, the Brewers, just not a good offense again here this season. The Marlins at 287, same thing for them. Not a good offense, bad offensive home park, and also Brian Anderson on the injured list, uh, taking away one of their best and most consistent hitters. So not a big surprise to see them in the bottom five. And lastly here, the Diamondbacks, who are a very good offensive team in April, not at all in the month of May, but big injury issues for them. Cattell Marte, Cole Calhoun, Asdrubal Cabrera, Christian Walker, all missing most or all of the month of May. So injuries, excuse me, having a really big impact there with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So as I look at those teams from the month of May, again, I, I Toronto comes down. They just have to now changing ballparks. As far as the bad teams, I think Arizona, as they get healthier, should get better. But other than that, I don't see a lot of positive or negative regression on this list. This is probably just kind of what we're going to see throughout the rest of the season. So Nothing overly actionable except for taking a look at Toronto there with that move from Florida up to Western New York. So we've seen a lot of talk and, you know, different uh, things are being proposed and used in the Atlantic League and all of that, which has kind of become a guinea pig for Major League Baseball. But everybody has thoughts on how to increase offense, you know, lowering the mound, moving back the mound, uh, you know, all kinds of different things, banning the shift, all of that. Well, 
one of the biggest reasons why offense is down remains the platoon advantage. Left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers. It used to be such a significant edge for teams that adopted that platoon-based offensive style using left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers, but it's not anymore. It's just not an advantage. And so I don't know what the solution is. I'm not a ban-the-shift guy, but we do see that this has had a significant impact on league-wide offense. I talked about this last year. It was something that I kind of saw coming into the 2020 season, kind of saw about midway through the 2019 season, was that left-handed batters just were not a strength against right-handed pitchers anymore. And last year, left-handed batters batted 239 against right-handed pitchers. And that was the lowest that we've seen. And now this year, it's at 234. And the OPS is on par with 2014. 2014 was another season with the dead-end baseball. It was one of the worst years for offense that we've seen here since basically the 80s. Well, this continues to be a thing where left-handed batters are just not hitting right-handed pitchers. The OPS 713 is the lowest going back to 2002, which is how far back Fangraphs had this data. It used to be a big betting angle for me, but it's just not anymore. You know, pitchers have made adjustments. They're throwing more off-speed stuff, staying away from the low fastballs, throwing more high fastballs in these platoon advantage situations. And left-handed batters just can't adjust. You know, based on their swing paths, based on how these guys, especially the veteran ones, got to the major leagues, anything down and in, they'd punish. Well, now everything is down and away. Everything is up in the zone. Teams have made these adjustments to neutralize the platoon advantage. And hitters have not made the adjustment back. And, I mean, that's just baseball. That's just, you know, the the game of playing chess. You know, you just make adjustments to what your opponent is going to do. And so until left-handed batters do something about it, this will be a major part of why offense is down in Major League Baseball. And if they ban the shift and that's kind of the, the decision that they come to, I guess so be it. But, you know, left-handed batters need to make adjustments. They need to start using the whole field. They need to start elevating to the opposite field. Just making adjustments to what pitchers are throwing and also that shift that's out there. So until that happens, offense will continue to be down. When you look at ground ball batting average of left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers over the last several years throughout the StatCast era, it was 241 in 2015, 239 in 2016, 240 in 2017. That was around the time that the shift started to take hold. So in 2018, ground ball batting average for left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers, 234. 2019, 233. 2020, 213. 2021 here, 223. So yeah, guys are pulling the ball into the shift and fielders are converting outs. So that's why a lot of these teams decided to go the launch angle route and say, okay, don't hit it into the shift, hit it over the shift. Well, then Major League Baseball dicks around with the ball, takes away the ability to drive the ball in the air, and they wonder why offense is low. So, you know, I don't know what adjustments actually get made here to this, but that is a really significant part of why offense is down so much last year and this year is that lefties just aren't having as much success against right-handed pitchers. That's a matchup that we do see quite a bit 
throughout Major League Baseball. All right, so we take a look down the lines here, talk about some line movements that we've seen dating back to Friday. A lot of movement out there in the marketplace over the weekend. The Cubs took a ton of money on Friday. That was Adbert Alzali and Vladimir Gutierrez. Gutierrez getting the start there for the Reds. Wind was blowing in very heavy, but this is something that we've seen a lot. A fade of the Reds on the road. Talked about it last week. Their offensive numbers at home, dramatically different than their offensive numbers on the road. So we've seen money get come in against Cincinnati when the Reds are on the road. Today, the Reds are at home. Coincidentally, I'm on the Reds today for what it's worth. But again, just we've seen a lot of home road split line movements here of late. And Cincinnati is one of those teams in that spotlight. The Diamondbacks took a good bit of money in their series against the Cardinals. They still lost three out of four. But, you know, we got that anti-Cardinal sentiment looking for a fade of their pitching staff on the road because their Bush Stadium numbers have been so good. Also, Arizona's been really bad of late. And a lot of that has to do with the injury problems that they have. It's not even just the offensive guys that I mentioned earlier on in the show. They're still missing Zach Gallen, too. They're still missing some bullpen arms. So injuries playing a really significant role here for Arizona. But betters are still backing them and finally got one on Sunday. Uh, But still, you know, I'm not really looking to take Arizona too much at this point in time. Got burned on Saturday, fading Adam Wainwright on the road. Uh, It's just very tough to bet the Diamondbacks right now. But it's happening a lot out there in the marketplace. Friday, Walker Bueller took money against the Giants. Hunjin Ryu took money against Eli Morgan and the Indians. Garrett Cole took money against the Tigers. None of those line moves surprising. And again, just reinforcing what we see every time aces are on the mound. They're taking money. Those lines are going up 20, 25, 30 cents. If they don't, and an ace is on the mound or a guy with, you know, upper level, elite level potential, that says a lot to you about that particular game. The Twins took a lot of money on Friday. It was Randy Dobnak going up against Chris Bubik and the Royals. The Twins just still can't figure things out here. I, I don't know why. I don't know what is up with this team. Uh, but they just can't find that groove, can't find that role that they've been trying to get on here all season long. Saturday, we saw more Dodgers money again against the Giants. That was Julio Urias and Logan Webb. I had the under in that game, and it never came close. Uh, Urias with a rare bad start for him. Webb coming off the IL was, you know, eh, could have been better and certainly would expect better as we go forward here. But the Dodgers taking money on both Friday and Saturday in that series against the Giants. Saw Spencer Turnbull money come in pretty heavy, actually, on the Tigers against the Yankees on Saturday. Spencer Turnbull is essentially the JT Brubaker of the Tigers. Doesn't matter who he's facing, what the line is, money's coming in on Spencer Turnbull. So bad team, but Turnbull takes money pretty much every time he starts, and I don't know if that's going to change here anytime soon. On Saturday, we saw money on Mike Fultonevich and the Rangers against Justin Dunn and the Mariners. Seeing money come in a lot against guys with high walk rates, as I've talked about already. Justin Dunn has a high walk rate, but Mike Fultonevich is a guy that I want to fade on the road every time I can, and I will talk about that later on in today's show. Ryan Yarborough took money for the Rays against the Phillies and Zach Wheeler. That was a very eye-opening line move there because I've been on the Yarborough train uh, you know, had a couple of plays on him. I think we've won a couple, lost a couple. But to see him taking significant money against Zach Wheeler was 
pretty eye-opening there. And of course, the Rays did win that game. So I don't know if that was more about the Rays or about Yarborough. I don't know. But what I do know is that I'm not sure we're going to get a ton of value on Yarborough as we go forward here because he's gotten better and the market kind of siding with him in some of those games. On Saturday, we also saw some heavy money on the Red Sox. That was with Nate Yavaldi on the mound against the Marlins and Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers, a guy at the market, likes quite a bit this season, but facing Boston, Yavaldi, a big positive regression candidate with his low left on base percentage. I agreed with the money there in that one, and it did wind up being the right side there. You know, on Sunday, we saw a lot of totals movement, and, and this is something that we've really seen a lot of here so far this season. Very few games staying on the opening number from a total standpoint. They're either going up or down half a run, or in some cases, more. A lot of totals movement out there in the betting markets here so far this season. So I don't know if maybe the modeling crowd's starting to focus a little bit more on the total side of things or what, but you know, just almost every total moves uh, in Major League Baseball here so far this season. So that's been a pretty interesting development to follow along with here. Something I didn't get on Sunday, and, you know, I I talked about it already. The the Reds are getting faded on the road. People don't want to bet this offense on the road. But I sure as hell wouldn't want to bet Jake Arrieta against anybody, and certainly not Arrieta in a favorite role. So we had the Reds in that one. They came away with the victory. But I I really don't – I don't care how much you don't like an offense. There is no way that I'm steaming this version of Jake Arrieta or really any recent version of Jake Arrieta. The fade of Tarek Skubal continued on Sunday. A lot of money has come in against the Tigers' left-hander, but picked up the win there. The Yankees, again, continuing to struggle on the offensive side. I don't know why. I don't know why their offense won't come around with all the hard contact, but uh, you know they lost that game on Sunday there to Tarek Skubal. Heavy raise money once again on Sunday. Very heavy, actually. Colin McHugh and Josh Fleming were together in that one with McHugh as the opener against Zach Eflin and the Phillies. That one moved about 30, 35, even upwards of 40 cents at some shops. And the Rays did win that one. Here on Monday, we got some line moves and a pretty heavy one on Charlie Morton and the Braves against the Nationals and Joe Ross. Lots of Braves line movement, as we've talked about extensively here on this show, and as I've talked about a lot in the article as well. The market loves Atlanta. Plenty of reasons to like Atlanta. And they certainly like them here today with Charlie Morton on the bump. Seeing some Trevor Bauer money against the Cardinals and Jack Flaherty. Also some over money in that one. And I am on the over in that game. Didn't get the six and a half. Was up at my buddy's lake house yesterday. Uh, But got the seven here for today's game with the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Don't love this matchup for Flaherty. He runs into some issues with walks. A lot of deep counts. Can give up some home runs. Uh, you know, I don't know how much help the Cardinals give us in this one, hopefully enough to push this one over the total, but we are seeing Bauer and over money in that one. A very telling line move here today with the Yankees and the Rays game where Jamison Tyon is taking money against Rich Hill and the Rays. And Rich Hill is locked into a very nice groove right now. Gave up 16 runs in his first four starts. He's allowed five runs over his last six starts combined. So Rich Hill in a groove, the Rays in a groove, and yet money coming in on the Yankees and Jamison Tyon here today. That's a pretty telling line move to me. Somebody out there with influence in that modeling crowd 
or they found something in the qualitative handicap. I don't know, but some heavy Rays money or heavy Yankees money, excuse me, coming in here today on this one. That is a very telling line move to me. Boston flips into a slight favorite against the Astros and Jose or Kitty tonight or Kitty coming off the IL uh, made one start at double a didn't go particularly well. Maybe that's why the money is coming on Boston, uh, but they are taking money here for tonight's game against the Astros. Lastly, a lot of Johnny Cueto money hitting the board for the Giants against the Angels and Dylan Bundy. Could be a byproduct of the Giants playing so well against the Dodgers over the weekend. Could be a byproduct of Dylan Bundy having a 650 ERA. Bundy is a positive regression guy in a lot of ways. Left on base percentage is very low. BABIP is very high. Cluster luck has not been on his side. But a lot of it is command-oriented. So, you know, the degree of regression for him could be lower than it is for some other guys. So Cueto and the Giants taking a good bit of money there today against Bundy and the Angels. Preview of the week ahead here. Let's start with that Rays and Yankees series, where, as I mentioned tonight, Rich Hill, Jamison Tyon, Tyler Glass now, Domingo Herman tomorrow, Shane McClanahan and Jordan Montgomery on Wednesday, Ryan Yarborough and Garrett Cole on Thursday. So I will not be betting on Ryan Yarborough on Thursday here. You know, the Rays, best road offense in baseball. Talked about it a lot. At Tropicana Field, they try to walk. They try to be really patient. They try to set up innings that way. On the road, a lot more aggressive, a lot more fly balls, a lot more pull side contact. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Yankees pitchers fare in this series because I do think that the stage is set for Tampa Bay to be able to score a little bit in this series. Will the Yankees finally get some returns on all of that hard contact. And look, this is a big series for both teams because Tampa Bay now in first place, the Yankees four and a half games back, you know, they lose three out of four here. They give up two more games in the standings and all of a sudden they're six and a half back. So this is a really important series for New York where they've got to get this offense going. They've got to find a way to shut down Tampa Bay's road offense. Good series. Not sure I'll be betting on too much in this series, but I think a very important one for the Yankees uh, where the Rays, you know, they've kind of given themselves a little bit more margin for error. Red Sox and Astros here. Eduardo Rodriguez and Jose Urquidy tonight, as I mentioned already. Uh, Garrett Richards, Luis Garcia Tuesday. Nick Pavetta, Framber Valdez on Wednesday. Martin Perez and Jake Odorizzi on Thursday. Now, when you look at the Astros here, they're better than their record indicates. They're good in the base runs department. They're good in third order win percentage. All of those things in agreement. Uh, Pythagorean win loss in agreement. They have the only positive run differential in that division. And the Red Sox are great offensively, as we know. But I've kind of been waiting for their pitching staff to get tested a little bit. Kind of see if that, you know, uh, home run prevention style continues to work out for them. I don't know. I'm seeing Boston money here today, but I think Houston at minus 120 is a pretty good bet on the series price. Now, obviously, if they split two and two, you'll get a refund on that bet. But I think that Houston actually sets up pretty well in this series here. The concern for the Astros is that their bullpen is very suspect. And with Valdez and Odorizzi in the last two games of this series, you've got some concerns there. But I don't think Nick Pavetta is as good as he has pitched. Martin Perez is not as good as he has pitched either. 
So I think the Astros offense is set up pretty well here. Maybe some overs in this series could kind of take a look at that. But I also think Houston on that series price at minus 120, not a bad look here for this one. Marlins and the Blue Jays, only a two-game series, but wanted to mention this because Toronto now calling Buffalo home as opposed to Dunedin, Florida. Sandy Alcantara, Robbie Ray tomorrow, uh, Pablo Lopez and Alec Manoa on Wednesday. Two very good pitching matchups in these two games. Kind of like the Marlins in both of them. Just looking at it from a surface-level standpoint, Robbie Ray, a lot of fastballs, a lot of contact. He's cut down on the walk rate, but he will give up some home runs. The Marlins probably just not the offense that you look for a lot of home runs out of. But I do think Alcantara can be pretty good against this Toronto lineup. And I really think Pablo Lopez can as well. Manoa, phenomenal opening start against the Yankees. Uh, Obviously, all the emotions with his family there. His mom kind of becoming an instant star on the broadcast. Really nasty, wicked stuff. Uh, So maybe an underlook on Wednesday with Lopez and Manoa. Uh, But of course, we'll see what those lines and what those totals look like now that Toronto back at Salem Field. Finally, one more series to talk about here. The Rangers and the Rockies. Dane Dunning, Herman Marquez on Tuesday. Jordan Lyles, Antonio Senzatella on Wednesday. Mike fulton and John Gray on Thursday. I will be fading Mike fulton on Thursday. I, I don't think that this line will be too out of whack. Maybe Rockies minus 135, maybe minus 140 on the high end, something like that. But fulton is a fly ball guy. He's been bad on the road, or he's been bad overall this season anyway but he's pitched a lot of his innings at home in a very friendly ballpark. Now he goes to Coors Field, not a friendly ballpark at all. So I will look at the the Rockies on Thursday, hopefully not paying too much of a premium. We'll kind of see where that line ends up sitting. Dane Dunning allows a lot of hard contact too. So that's kind of an interesting game on Tuesday. I'd expect the Rockies to take money on Wednesday with the fate of Jordan Lyles in a good hitters park. Rockies could very well take money in all three games of this series so that'll be something to keep an eye on as Colorado goes back home where obviously as we know they are a much much different team a lot of stuff on today's show if you want to get on the notes for the betters box email me skating tripods at gmail.com again skating tripods at gmail.com to get on the list for the show notes that'll do it for me thank you so much for listening everybody I'll talk to you again tomorrow with Brian Blessing And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.